Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. But I'm gonna intro him because he's my he's my best dude. We've got uh, how do I explain my best dude? My my favorite nephew. If Bobby or Kevin is listening to this, please disregard. It's the truth. <laughs> We've got my nephew and my co-podcaster from Binge Town TV. Hi, Luke. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me, guys. <laughs> This is why we don't do intros anymore because they're awkward as fuck. I think that you made that suspenseful, Kathleen. Yeah, I'm never the one that is on the receiving end of it. You know, I'm always the interviewer. So this is abnormal sure. for me. Yeah. Luke gets a shout out in four different episodes, but they all end up in us going, fuck you, Luke. Like, just damn. And then I go, he's my nephew. It's fine. Well, I was actually listening to your guys' podcast recently. And first of all, I just want to say that I absolutely love the idea of your guys' podcast. I think you guys do a great job. And I, I think the first time I listened to it was probably maybe a year and a half ago when Julia was on it and she pitched the episode of Lost. And I was just so in love with the format and I was just in the right mood that it literally caused me to binge that entire series over the course of like, I don't know, three or four weeks. So I love that I get to be part of this show because you guys have a great idea. I'm ready to talk the magicians today. Inspiring. Wow. Well, props. Oh my God, I can't speak. (laughs) I was going to say props to producer Brat for the idea of the show, but I just got way too inside my own head that I just said props. So... That's a word. We're talking about magicians today, people. Kathleen loves magicians. Luke apparently loves magicians. I guess it just like runs in the fam. Yeah. We're talking about episode one, season one. I have a theory right now. I think that Kathleen has been secretly booking people as guests to talk about the shows that she wants to talk about because it seemed like she may have forced Julia to pick Pretty Little Liars a couple weeks ago. And now all of a sudden, Luke, who I listen to Binge Town constantly, and I don't doubt that Luke is a fan of The Magicians, but I feel like if you ask Luke, he may have picked an episode of How I Met Your Mother instead. So I just want to make sure that there's not... Matt. You shut your fucking mouth. Matt, 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 Matt. I got to tell you right now how wrong you are because this show is like top three ever all time for me. And I have a list, a detailed list of like my top 50 shows. The other two, if you don't mind me asking. I'm just curious. Game of Thrones is up there. And even though the ending is trash and then Dark. Dark is the number one show ever. It is perfect from beginning to end. That show is great. And it's a little bit too complicated for something 
like my favorite episode of because it's just incredibly detailed. But Magicians is top three. It's top tier. Let me just say, I've been putting off talking about the Magicians. I love the Magicians so much. It makes me anxious. Like leading up for Binchtown doing the Magicians season five, like I felt anxious. I was like, I don't know that I'll ever be able to do it justice. I can't possibly speak words that, that, get the point across how much I love it. And Luke is the same way. Me and Luke started watching this at the same time. Me and Luke were like growing up, like we used to go to like magic shops. We spent hours on YouTube learning magic tricks and like th- learning how to throw cards and like stupid shit like that. Like this is, this is our show. I like to say like me and Luke show. So fuck you, Matt. No, I did not strong arm him into picking that. I did strong arm Julia into picking Pretty Little Liars. That is the truth. But that was good because yeah. that episode was fire. Yeah, yes. As opposed to the magician's pilot not being fire? Well, we haven't recorded it yet. And I mean, I don't see you with cupcakes. There was cupcakes at the Pretty Little Liars recording. (laughs) There was a secret when we were recording the Pretty Little Liars episode that is now public if someone wants to talk about it. Luke? 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 Uh, So Julie's pregnant. Woo! (laughs) Woo! You heard it from Luke first. It's true. We brought Luke on specifically to spread the news that our podcast is Luke's first magic trick of the show. I'm here, I'm here for two reasons. The first is to talk about Kathleen's favorite show, and the second is to announce Julie's pregnancy. That's it. In out 10 minute podcast. So thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great rest of your week. So let's talk about this show because I'm going to tell you guys that. Oh, no. When Kathleen talked about the magicians, I had no idea, like not a single idea what the show was about. Like, obviously, I knew it was about magic, right? I'm not that dumb, but I I didn't know what to expect, right? So, And I would have never watched it had Luke not picked this episode, even though Kathleen does try to sell it. She just... I'm not I'm I weak taste in shows like I enjoyed Emily in Paris and most people did not it's just it just shows the kind of person I am so here's the thing about Kathleen every single show she watches <laughs> she absolutely loves she gets super attached to the characters and the plot she reads everything there is about the actors outside the show and stuff like that so it's very hard to know when a show is really good or if it's just <laughs> Kathleen good and I'm here to tell you that the magicians passes the filter test and it's it's the best. Like I'm not biased by her loving the show as much as me. It's it just is the best. This was my first time going back to the beginning and watching little things where I'm like, ooh, like Margot seems like such a different character because I'm so used to like Margot after five seasons of growth. Elliot's kind of the same. <laughs> a lot of the other characters, it's like, oh my God, I've seen these characters grow over five seasons. It's so weird to go back to when they're like babies and like they're not fully fleshed out yet. And like they can be put into like a singular box because what I think is cool about the show is that by the end of it, none of these characters can be defined by one singular trait, but very much in the pilot. They can be defined by one singular trait. Oh, yeah, I think you nailed it there, Matt. That And that's actually what I was a little bit afraid of for Julie, this being her first time experiencing the magicians, is how in the beginning of it, the characters are so unrecognizable for where they end up going. And to back it up a tiny bit, how I like to describe the magicians to people is it's just adult version of Harry Potter. And it's just a darker, collegiate version of Harry Potter if Harry Potter was, you know, high school, middle school. So... Shit gets really crazy. And then, you know, to add on to what I'm saying about the characters, this is the type of show that when you pitch it on paper, you're going to focus on how fantasy driven it is and how plot oriented it is with all the magic that's going on. There's gods involved and all these kind of things that are just super magical. But contrary to what you would think, 
it's a very character driven show. And I think that that's what makes people really, really love this show. And I think the third and fourth season got like above like 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it was universally loved and acclaimed. So, but again, it's not really the plot. It's just, you just fall in love with who these people are and, I would die for these <laughs> actors. Like, and I have, you know, I don't even know much about them outside the show. I would die for these people. They're so great. And I love them. I do. Yeah. Kathleen, we know you do. Julie, did you like it? Um, so I didn't think it was bad. My first note. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw Kathleen die on camera. Like, what do you mean, Kathleen? Do you want me to be like obsessed with it from one episode? Guess who was obsessed with it from one episode? You. <laughs> And Luke. Oh, okay. I texted Kathleen a theory. What's your theory? I'm curious if it was the same so as mine. I said that so far from watching episode one, I'm team Julia, but I think that Julia ends up being evil. Isn't that exactly what my theory was? It's a good theory, yeah. You think this, are, this is her villain origin story? Yeah, that's why I said, because I, I could see Julia going down like a Magneto route. Do we talk spoilers? Like, it doesn't matter at all? <sighs> Depends on what you're about to say, Luke. I'm. Look at me in the eye and tell me with your eyes. All right, I won't say it. I won't say it. (laughs) I mean, I think if you just like give, you know, uh, we usually do spoilers. We just say. I would prefer not to say anything that's gonna, like for example, my friend Kelly. It listens to every episode, no matter what, even if she's midway through the series or not. So don't say like season four spoiler stuff. Mm-hmm. Kathleen setting rules exclusively for her friend who listens. Yeah, because I'm like, don't give the. You can say spoilers, but don't say the spoiler, the spoiler of all spoilers. Yeah. No. So, so what I was just gonna get at is based on your theory, Julie, of saying that Julie is gonna be evil. That's what you said, right? Mm-hmm. One of the good things about this show, in my opinion, that's really kind of the backbone of it, is Julia and Quentin, the two main characters. But they take such wildly different paths, and I won't say like where it ends up or anything like that, but. I think your observation is it's meant to be that way. The audience is supposed to take it that way, where Julie is going to take a completely unconventional underground route through the magical world as she gets introduced to all this stuff, while Quentin's going the textbook, you know, break bill school route. And we're going to, yeah. you know, I'm not going to say much, but we're going to, you, you see them, their paths collide all the time. And just how they went through these paths dictates a lot of the plot. So that's a huge part of it. My first note when I was watching this. So it obviously is like in the first like five minutes, but I wrote, so this is basically the line, which in the wardrobe, but walking through a clock. People think that I, I've thought of it <laughs> because you're like, you're going, into, like, you're going into something and coming out of into it. Let me just say like, first of all, I want to say this in the beginning, like the complexity of the magicians makes the rewatch values so high. Like even going back to the very first scene on a rewatch, you might not think it's so important. The first scene of the episode, how could it be like, how could there be so many like secrets in the first set of dialogue? But there is, I mean, even paramedic, it turns out to be somebody like it's so complex. Even saying like the characters are maybe matt was saying like maybe you can explain them with using one word right you know what i mean but it gets more complex it's it's just i've rewatched the show 18 times and i i know i kept like texting the group being like i have 10 more minutes left in the episode as if i hadn't seen it 87 times before but i wanted to finish the episode before we started recording and i've said this on our binge town podcast that the the lore and the world of fillery is something like out of anything in the in the magician's world i wish that was real like i have a fillery uh poster like a scroll map of it on my wall in the city like in the books the lore of fillery is like the greatest 
like fantasy driven part of it. It gets in season two, this I'll say in season two, they actually go to Fillory the end of season one. So it's like the whimsicalness and the humor in it is, is the best I've seen. And I'm honestly, Luke, I'm constantly scared that I'm never going to love a show as much as I love this show. No, I'm with you. hundred yeah. percent. When I read like the Narnia books, like they're fine, but I've never wanted to go to Narnia. But like this and Hogwarts are like the only two fantasy worlds where it's like, no, I just want to like live in this world. Like I'm going to buy the first book in the book series as well so that I can like have more stories to read. That's definitely another selling point to the audience who hasn't l- watched the show before because The Magicians is five full seasons completed front to back. So it's a you know completed collection all on Netflix. But it's it's based on a trilogy by Lev Grossman. So everything that they were pulling had some sort of source material that was already finished years prior. And whenever you get that situation going on, you know that a lot of the crazy fantasy points are just thought through very well to fit into a book form and they're adapting it. So I think that's a lot of the strength that the show is pulling from is just the books. And I know Kathleen likes the books a little bit more than I do. And this is the one case I think I... I know my entire life where I think the show mm-hmm. is better than the than the what it was adapted from. I agree. I think the way I did it was perfect. Luke read the books in the middle of watching the show. I watched the show to completion. I read the books and then the comics. And that way, like, I felt like I was still watching the show and I had the storylines from the show and I was just adding on details instead of the opposite where it does take completely different routes and they're different characters by the end some characters are more important than others but i i agree i think the show does it way better they focus on the humor a lot and the just outlandish the craziest things they can think of in the show like that's what they focus on while still totally making sense and everything coming together in a cohesive storyline versus the books are i was gonna say more fantasy and more but i don't know if that's true i don't know i but i agree this is the one that i think that the show is better than the books Mm -hmm. as well but i have a question for you julie i just want to know because you're probably going to break my heart here but just tell me what you think about my girl alice quinn (laughs) i have that i have that exact question (laughs) (laughs) she's fine i think she's gonna be like a obviously like a big character i have one of my notes of like her and quentin obviously bang at some point like there's just no way (laughs) right what do they So I figured that was like inevitable. I don't think I ever want to see her outside of the role of Alice Quinn. It's just going to, it's just going to hurt it for me. But, uh, but so just to keep the the parallels with uh, Harry Potter, she is just obviously the Hermione character, the genius level character that drives a lot of the plot alongside Quentin and Julia. But that's the, the harm with just watching the pilot of this show is like I said earlier, the characters, I'm not sure they give off the best impression right away. At least some of them, especially Margot. She is the most wildly different character than what she's portrayed as in the in the opening couple scenes. But everyone I've ever talked to that's watched the show has grown to absolutely love her and die for her. So I think if you give her and Alice a little bit of a chance, because neither of them has a strong start, they both turn into my favorite characters. Yeah, Alice is Alice is Luke's girlfriend mm-hmm. for sure. And Margot's my girlfriend. <laughs> she's underutilized in the books as well. Um, her name's Janet in the books, but um, she she's my favorite character of all time. Like just of all time. No one has better one-liners than her. Um, her and Elliot are two of my favorite TV characters that ever existed in the world. So yeah, they're they're definitely underutilized. I was gonna ask what Julie thought of Penny because Penny 
is just like such a fucking dick in this and not that he ever isn't a dick but the way he's just like sub roomy i'm like oh my god <laughs> wait i don't know who that is He's the hey. one that had sex with the girl and they float in the air. Oh, yeah. That, that's iconic. That that's an iconic scene that you just iconic. glossed over real quick like that. But Yeah, that was one of my notes. I was like, ooh, some freaky magic sex. That's <laughs> I liked I like this, but I didn't really have like much feelings towards him in this mm. episode. I feel really stressed right now recording this because I feel like you guys have like really high expectations of my answers and I'm letting you down with every question that you ask. So I hope that we could just stop asking me questions. <laughs> this is why, I, for I the record, this is why I didn't want to record The Magicians because I knew this is how you were going to re- be reacting and I'm like, I can't put myself through it. <laughs> like you're making me feel like I'm the guest on the show and it's making No, we're this- just trying to include you because you were the only one who hasn't seen it before. I know. Well, I didn't know that Matt watched the show, so Matt's fake, and um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that. Let's talk about the Quentin Coldwater. Just my heart and my soul, the hero we all want, The this normal, like, super nerd guy, depressed super nerd, like, come on, you better stop. This is, this is <laughs> Quentin Coldwater lives in my brain, right? Free. Everything about him, I love him so fucking much. One of the characters that I immediately connect with when I watch his show, of I'm course. like, okay, yeah. She said, do you think he's cute? Oh, yeah. Oh, I think <laughs> Quentin's cute? Absolutely. This is a hot boy show. Every yeah. guy in this show is gorgeous mm-hmm. See, i beg to differ here what i don't think he's hot i thought i mean maybe i'm questioning my own sexuality i thought julia was the hottest and no one has spoken about that oh well we crowned her like the hottest but we we binge town tv okay let's just get this out of here the binge town tv group chat which we've had for years is constant bang kill marries and like who's hotter and it's all it's the the age-old question a tale as old as time margo or julia or julia and a character from the hundred like just trying to no one really ever tops julia but i think the toughest matchup and margo really becomes a, an amazing character she has like the most gorgeous hair and her sass is out of this world it's always between those two which is which is a big hang-up, but pretty much Julia trumps everybody except maybe Raven from the hundred. But oh wow, what a comparison! I, I know we've talked about this before, actually, on like literally a week ago when I was talking about Dead Like Me. It's hard when you're the person who's picked the thing and no one else has seen it because I think Kathleen was the one that called out like when I was talking about how much I loved and like how much George's speech about dying affected me. She was like, yeah, but you know, Georgia and we don't. And like, that's what's so, cause like, if I'm watching this, like I would love to sit and have an in-depth conversation about how great the character of Elliot is, Mm -hmm. but it is like physically impossible to have that conversation with the very little that you're given of Elliot in this first episode, because like to talk about why Elliot is such a great complex character, you've got to experience him for at least three seasons (laughs) to like really just scratch the surface on why he's so important to me. Oh, absolutely. I just think the it's hard to, like you're saying, do justice for any of the characters. So we can talk about the plot of episode one because the plot is 
lit in my oh, opinion. It's like, so lit. <laughs> is it okay to just talk about the ending or is it too soon to jump right into that? Because I feel like walk I want to through the walk us through the the episode and you can get I mean, half of it is really just like them joining the school and the the ending is iconic and that's coming from me. Iconic. There's so much that happens in this. I swore that this was like a movie length episode. And then I was like, oh, they pack all of that into just 50 minutes. Like not a second is wasted in this pilot. Absolutely. Like the amount of, I was thinking the same exact thing. Like you get a lot of Julia's origins to what her path's going to be ingrained with the introduction of magic into the world, into the test of magic, into break bills, into all these students that are at break bills that are going to be on this adventure for five seasons. There's a lot. You're right. There's I think it was it was a little bit longer. A, a cool thing about the magician's world that we've been recently talking about on Binge Channel a lot because, by the way, we're covering season five on Binge Channel TV. Go give it a, ch- a go, give it a peep, give it a listen. Um, but by the end of season five, we go through so many different plot lines where, surprisingly, like math and science and all of this stuff is involved. Like it's and and the and astrology and everything. It's not just like, hey, I'm doing these finger movements and now. Now you I shaved your head with you know what I mean I don't fucking know what I'm saying but like <laughs> in order to be a magician and to do it well and to be efficient you need to actually be kind of a genius to be really good and efficient at magic like you need to you need to be an an ace in fucking I can't even th- think of any of the good maths calculus ochem I don't fucking know anything plantology <laughs> all the above they cover that a little bit when quentin yeah. says to to julia like look we found videos of george bush that like accidentally created magic when yeah. he was drunk well, that scene specifically always makes me go my fucking god if magic actually exists in this world and i don't have it i'm so mad we're both mad we're breaking into break bills i know well i also like just in general the how they cut to the beginning when Quentin is depressed and he's in and out of the psych ward and he's obviously, he's not happy. And then when they finally walk into mysteriously break bills, the coloring difference, how they make it like bluish grayish in the beginning. And then it's like, he walks into break bills, Julia and him both. And it's like, he's seeing color for the first time and it's going to change his life. His whole path is now changed fucking love this pilot yeah and i think you talked about it a little bit earlier matt and kathleen you just hinted at it again quentin is such a flawed character from his first scene that i kind of consider him the gold standard when it comes to relatable main characters i just think that anyone that's watching this show in the first place has to have a tiny bit of nerdy side to them i don't know if julie counts because she's being forced to watch it but anyone that's (laughs) going to the magicians organically is going to instantly connect with Quentin and see this kid who's just so full of amazement being introduced into a magic world in a dark version of, I keep saying Harry Potter, but that's pretty much what it is where it's not going to be kitty at all, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's still the most like magically beautiful thing that could have ever happened to this kid who was just obsessed with this world ever since he was a child. So I just love Quentin and experiencing this world through Quentin's eyes. it, It makes a lot of people just gravitate towards him as a character. Did you feel that at all, Julie? Or were you kind of just like, he's not cute, so you didn't care? <laughs> wow, that <laughs> is like some spot. big shade you just dropped. You, you called, you called Jason like Ralph not cute? Valley girl. <laughs> Yo, I'll tell you what, Luke. You call him like you see him. You just nailed that. Oh, God. Knows Jason Ralph, no, Jason Ralph is the man. I was sitting here and I was like, like as you were talking, and I was like, damn, like he's like so passionate about this. Like maybe I should just watch the show. But now I'm like, fuck you, Luke. I'm not watching the show, and I will trash it until I die. 
Okay. I'm sorry, go. Julie. There's the fuck you, Luke. There's of the, the fuck of you, this Luke. Episode. I've listened to so many episodes and I'm hearing you. Ju- I've never seen Julie's face before, but I've, I just feel like I know you because I've heard you talk on so many episodes. So I feel comfortable attacking. <laughs> But I also I get that from I Kathleen think it's like too. In your so. blood, because Kathleen exactly. loves exactly. attacking me too. It's just in your yeah. guys' blood. Okay, that's my guy. One of the notes, like <laughs> this, is like so stupid, but it made me laugh at myself. So like Quentin gets like he finds that the the what is it sixth chapter that they never had access to before, and he's like walking and reading it, and then like the paper blows, and it's like leading him to like the test. But I wrote down like at what point do you stop chasing the paper? Like I would have given up when it got when it went through the fence. Is that like the point because it's like calling him? Multiple things. I mean, you'll find out. And even in this episode, he's reading Fillory in front. Like Julia literally yells at him, like "Enough with the fucking Fillory yeah. shit! Like stop, grow yeah. up." He would never let a page of a six Fillory book get away. Like never, not in a million years. And and the whole magic of it all. One, just on principle. Two, on yes, I think I believe it was calling him. Like he can't. Like he would never. Just never. Um, whereas Julia just like opened an elevator. Actually, what pissed me off, like I, you know, I'm Team Julia, whatever. But she was like throwing so much shade at him about magic, but now she's being a big ass drama queen that she didn't get in. Like when she, so when she, you find out she didn't get into the school, which right. we didn't walk through this episode, and I'm sorry because I'm like, we'll, Luke, we'll get it around to it. It's talking. fine, but. And she, like, pulls off her ring, and I'm like, oh, shit, I thought she was going to be like, let me come in, or I'm going to, like, kill myself. That's what I was thinking. But then I'm like, damn, she's smart as shit, cutting that, so then she has the memory of it. Like, back to liking you, Julia. You got this, girl. Pull it off. (laughs) And it seems like she is. It's funny you say that, because... My first watch through of the magicians front to back, like it took me a while before I really liked Julia. You like her very, very early on, like the first couple of scenes when she's being really nice to Quentin and stuff like that. But just the fact that she gets, it seems like she gets so dark so quickly. I guess I just went the opposite way, but, but I totally understand. Like she is beautiful. She's incredibly smart, like probably the smartest. It's not Alice. And she's just craving acceptance into the magical world that she's being pushed out of and kathleen you said it earlier that would piss us off we'd we'd bust through like we're getting in there however you know there's no way you're keeping magic from us if we knew it was real for all you know you've already taken the test and failed yeah you better wow (laughs) no i got the highest score ever it's there's no way let me let me explain to you how me and Luke's relationship growing up was. So I'm two and a half years older than Luke, and we grew up like doing basically everything together. Like we loved all the same things, and he is always better than me at everything. Just like a little bit better. So like he's always <laughs> been better at like Yu Gi Oh or chess or whatever we were doing, right? So Luke is the type of guy where he watched the Queen's Gambit and be, tried to become a chess champion, and he's been reading books and playing chess like constantly at all times. There's no way Luke doesn't get into break bills. I'll put that <laughs> down on the table. Thank you. Thank put it you. on the board. Luke goes to break bills. <laughs> Truly. He's good at everything. Did you master chess? Uh, I'm, it's definitely my favorite hobby right now, and I, I play yeah. it all the time. But I wouldn't say master. That sounds that sounds too much. But So here's a question for Lean, then. Based on this scenario, what we've painted sure. is a situation where Kathleen is the Julia to Luke's Quentin. Mm-hmm. In this realm... Do you go to underground uh, alternative yeah. college as quickly as Ru- Julia does? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm obsessive 
like recklessly obsessive about things. So yeah, I, I have an obsessive personality. I wouldn't be able to, especially if I knew Luke was there. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> I'm figuring out a way. I'm figuring out a way. I would never, I would never leave you behind though, like Quentin. Yeah, and I'll tell oh. you, Quentin is a smug bastard. Like especially in the scene where James calls Quentin at break bills. There's a scene where it, cl- it gets a close up on Quentin's face, and he just goes what happened but he's like has a smile and he's just like gazing upon break bills and i'm like dude your girl's like in trouble like hello what the fuck he's he just gets he does get a little yeah. smug about it and especially mm-hmm. in the first uh three or four episodes it's like it, it evens out because you think julia's being a little crazy but it's also he's like gaslighting her almost mm-hmm. in, in the and first it, couple episodes uh, another thing you got to keep in mind it's really hard to to notice it when you're watching it for the first time, but a lot of time has passed throughout this first episode. Like we have a couple of interactions that give this away. Like when, when Quentin is talking to Alice about the, the mark, uh, when he, the first time he sees the mark, her reading the book with the marking in it, um, he sits down and says like, I'm going to fail. Cause I've been doing all these classes. You have to assume that months and months have gone by already. And they're going through these magical trainings and at the same time julia is just mentally deteriorating it it makes it seem like it's only one or two scenes later but when james is calling quentin i'm assuming it's it's months and she's just slowly and slowly becoming crazier yeah that's a good point because i didn't think like that like i was like damn she got dramatic real quick (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i mean it's like you you finally failed at something and you and you don't you don't know how to accept it and it's like damn bitch chill like she's obviously (laughs) sad and it's her birthday She's about to get, like, fake sexually assaulted in the bathroom. Can you chill? Can you, like, throw her a bone, please? To back up in that scene a little bit, just for Julie's uh, educational purposes, that that is the best glimpse of the true characters of Elliot and Margot is the scene after Quentin is ready to just bounce. And you see them just, like, having a ball, partying with these random people that Quentin just introduced them to. They are just the most fun people ever. And I think they, they hinted at it earlier in the episode when Elliot and Margo were giving Quentin the tour and saying, don't ever come by our house if you have anything to do the next day. And if you continue with this show, you will see how these guys party. And they party very magically. So all that's just fun writing for the for you know the magician's writers to put in there. And they do it very well. Yeah, And they only hone in on their craft, baby, because it just gets better and better and better. I did like Elliot too. I should say that. Like I've been really only hyping up julia but i liked elliot too yeah quentin Coldwater. like the first time for anyone who's watching this who's actually seen any you get a really good payoff of todd then being elliot in a later season doing the whatever her name is like the julia lookalike i don't know like the new julia and then and then she says like am i hallucinating he's like if you were would that matter <laughs> it's like would okay. asking me help yeah. yeah would asking me help and todd does it so good because you know todd yeah. just wants to be elliot oh, that's, we're missing some todd in this pilot for sure there's a couple of main characters that we are missing but one we we haven't talked about at all yet is dean fogg who is mm. the harry potter equivalent of the dumbledore for this universe except he is the most flawed version of a harry potter parallel but dean fogg has the craziest ending and maybe the most important opening scene of the episode that's just big picture meta stuff that they're talking about so that doesn't mean much to you yet julie but he becomes such a important character that's just i don't know kathleen how would you describe fog i think you take fog for granted and now that we're in season five we talk about that a lot how we we don't 
you don't give Fogg the credit he deserves. He, Like you said, he's the Dumbledore. But you can't really explain Fogg until you get through season one and you get the big twist of season one. and Because then you get the full picture of everything he's been through. That's but yeah, true. it always bothered me actually in this episode how like knowing what we know about Fogg and, and the Beast, how he didn't have something ready for him in the classroom. It's like, Really? Like, you didn't have, yeah, like, a yeah, Rhineman yeah. Ultra ready for the boy? Like, come on. <laughs> the Beast is a fun character to talk about, too. Who oh, my is just God. The big bad of the, of the season, partially the series. He is just, with the with the moths everywhere, it's super intimidating mm. guy. Just absolutely powerful. His scene is one of my favorite scenes of the entire series and a lot of fantasy shows. And that's why I picked the pilot, mostly, is that last minute. When he walks up to Quentin and just looks him right in the eye and says, Quentin Coldwater, there you are. And it's just so epic. It's so zero to 100 in the first 50 minutes of this Uh five season show. And like, you know, I love the beat. I love the beat. I love his. I don't know if you noticed, but he has six fingers. They kind of focus in on that for a second. He's got his moths. He's got his little dance step that he does. Wow. This character is amazing i loved the ending you know there's gonna be like a villain right i mean you get the foreshadow of the fog on the mirror with the smiley face so you know some shit's about to go down eventually but i definitely wasn't expecting it in the pilot and i loved at the ending when he like kills the head dean guy and then rips out his eyeballs and makes the same smiley face on the desk i was like oh iconic that was my iconic moment truly is that that scene is 10 out of 10 And spoiler alert, epic voice, a voice for Broadway. When I went to New York Comic Con back in 2017, I went to the Magician's panel and somebody had cosplayed the Beast and it was the best cosplay I've ever seen. It was actually a woman, but she was in a suit top top to bottom and and then like she somehow made this moth helmet thing that was literally the coolest thing i tried to get a picture so hard but she was so far and it was dark in the room but it was the best cosplay i've ever seen probably because i'm biased and i mean it's not the best cosplay in the world but it was like (laughs) it seems so i mean i was at a magician's panel so it makes sense but it's so niche like it's so specific i was like oh my god i was about to mug her and steal it it was awesome (laughs) <laughs> I was also delirious because I was in that room for eight hours with no food because I wanted to save my seat for the magician. Spoiler alert, you don't got to stay in the same panel room all day long. People come in and out. There's plenty of seats. <laughs> you didn't eat that whole time. I had a granola bar at 10 a.m. and the panel was at four. So six oh, hours. I would have been dying. Don't they have food? Only a bar. And I was like, I shouldn't. I'm going to get blacked out in one drink. <laughs> like, I'm so hungry. Yeah, like, empty belly. Yeah. Yeah. Empty belly. Me and Luke are going to get hedge, hedge witch tattoos on our arm one day. I'm down. We skipped around to the end, but I, I feel like there's still more we have to talk about. We pretty First much all- covered the majority of it. I'm looking at the notes of the episode. I, the only thing we really missed was a little bit like the intro, I guess, of Alice Quinn. But we talked about her. Penny and Katie grow in their relationship a little bit, too. I, I'd like to say, and this isn't the less of what I like, but I love it anyway. So, you know, in uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1, when, when Hermione 
narrates the Deathly Hallows and you get the animated walkthrough of all the Deathly Hallows. I love in cinema when they do that, TV, movies, whatever it is. In season three, they do the same thing for the um, quest for the Seven Keys. But this gives me similar vibes when Quentin's kind of narrating the Chatwins. You get the introduction of the Chatwins. We haven't really talked about them anymore. So the lore of Fillory is that whoever wrote the books, the the three Fillory, or there's plenty, five Fillory books, it's about the Chatwins. So the twins and their older brother, Martin. So Jane, Rupert, and Mar- Martin. And they go through the clock and they enter Fillory. I like the the bits that we get, I like that it's like you can't choose when you get to go to Fillory. Fillory chooses for you, which is a big theme in the books. And I just love Quentin narrating it. And he says something like, but this is no child's tale or something. And I'm like, <laughs> I love it so much. It's so good. It's so <laughs> deep and rich and such a good story within and i would say the music of when like if you were gonna take a vacation a weekend into my heart like say you just like shrunk in size and you're taking a vacation into my soul that music is playing in there on a loop at all times <laughs> and the music from when he's taking the exam itself the just like is that's the music in my soul just just so you know that's the scoring of my soul the exam's another scene we didn't talk about, which was a really cool one. But I do, I completely agree with you. This show slaps when it comes to music, whether it's the <laughs> yeah. it's their own original stuff or the songs that they bring in in the future episode. Kathleen, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Truly, <laughs> for fun, let you know, and the people and the listeners, that each season, the theme screen, the title screen, the title card, the title card is uh, like the hand, and it's just like a wall in New York City, and it's a, it's the hand. Every season, they put different graffiti on it based on what's going to happen during the season. Just another cool thing they do, especially Mm -hmm. because, especially when you're on, like, episode one, me and Luke started watching live pretty early on, so... You watch it episode one live, and then you're like, "Ooh, what does that mean? Why are they like? What? Why are there bees? Why is there a moon? Why is there a kraken? Like mm-hmm. different stuff." So talking about like title cards and stuff that give you hints on what's to come. When Quentin makes a, a castle out of cards, I got a little bit of a Game of Thrones opening sequence vibe for a oh, split yeah. second. I was like, mm-hmm. "Ooh." I forgot how awesome that scene is. Just, that, Show me some magic, goddammit. Yeah, and yeah then that scene says a lot about explosion. Fog and Quentin because that's just the classic fantasy trope where the main character just has this un- untapped raw power of just pure magic. And that kind of defines mm-hmm. a lot of Quentin in the early seasons. Just someone who's a little bit rough around the edges, doesn't have the Alice and Julia touch, but just has the pure power. There's no other way to say it. And... You know, that's why he's the main character. You're loving his heart, because guess what, Luke? Where does magic come from? Pain. Boy, does it. Boy, oh my God. Does it. The way you looked at me, I was like, am I fucking wrong? He puts so much pressure on people and doesn't even realize she's doing no, it. No, magic comes from pain is the theme of all of the magicians. So mm-hmm. It's like you're not going to you're not gonna do your best magic when you're in love and happy. It's like it, it, you're the most forceful, like powerful magic comes from deep, within because of all the feelings you're having the dark feelings so do you think that's why like julia didn't start showing her magic until she didn't get in that's actually a great point i have a serious question i'm gonna let luke down i just know it i'm nervous (laughs) i've only ever seen the first harry potter you keep comparing it to harry potter like do i need to watch harry potter like not that it has any tie but it's like if i'm not a harry potter fan will i not be a magician's fan? No, magicians magicians is like sexy and like drugs and it's fun. It's it's grad school. It's it's like 
they're literally going to Penn State and getting fucked up and like, mm-hmm. but it's cooler because it's magic. There's full episodes of them getting like hazed, magically hazed, and and they turn into geese and they fly to break Bill South and they fuck as foxes and like it's crazy. It's literally like the coolest show of all time. It really Definitely. is. The the writers, I want to shake every single one of their fucking hands <laughs> and kiss them on the cheek. And then kiss him on the mouth if one of them wants to. Well, I'll definitely say you should watch Harry Potter just for your own sake (laughs) because it's the best. It's also really, really good. But Magicians is, you know, a little bit more relevant right now. I think you would enjoy both of them because I think everybody would. But if if sci-fi fantasy magic isn't really your number one thing, you don't have to watch all the Harry Potters. But it's I think they're amazing. I grew up on them. They're like my favorite books besides Game of Thrones. And I think that like... What I have to do in order to watch the Harry Potters is I have to like schedule a vacation to Universal Studios, so <laughs> then I understand the hype of Harry Potter World. Oh, like, that I is the, one of the best places in right the world. Now. And like, and that's what everyone says. But like, if I mm-hmm. went right now, not seeing the movies, I wouldn't get half of what I'm looking at. I would just be like, "Wow, this is so cool." So it's basically like with me and Binge Town, the boys like. Mm, kind of. I was going to say they, they schedule like a How I Met Your Mother episode in like the fourth season. So then I have to binge up into the fourth season. It's like the only reason I'm watching it is because I have a reason yeah, to watch you it. Like a push. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like I wouldn't like sit down on a Saturday and watch Harry Potter. But like well, if I was going to Universal. <laughs> I love the Harry Potter movies. I haven't seen them in a really long time. And that may just because be because J.K. Rowling is a fucking loser. Fuck you, J.K. Rowling. But she creates good good books um yeah don't you hate to see that i think harry potter is like bible it's something you have to know how can you be our age and you've never seen eight of the greatest movies of all time i mean the it's just some of the best i don't know i I feel like they're referenced so often in in the media and our culture and stuff i don't know i i think they're like you have to yeah everything that's like made nowadays that's any type of magic is pulling from it in some capacity they reference directly reference Harry Potter and the magicians multiple, multiple times. I, I think that there's people, I don't think people give enough credit to Deathly Hollows. This is going to sound weird, but like without Deathly Hollows part one and part two, I think that there is a direct line to proving that that would work, releasing like two parts of oh, a movie yeah. that led to like the Marvel movies and mm-hmm. led to like all of this other stuff. Like that was really the first time I, like- I can think of where someone was like, we're going to literally stop this mid story and pick it up in like seven months from now. And again, to coincidentally bring it back to the magician specifically in the pilot, the episode stops mid scene. Like when he, when the beast walks up to Quentin and says, Quentin Coldwater, there you are. The next direct scene at the beginning of episode two is five seconds later. So they, they use that same kind of tactic and they also do the same thing at the end of season one. I think it is. Right, Kathleen? Is that where they stop mid-scene right after with the Beast incident? Oh, boy, do they. What and a then, cliffhanger. That's exactly. insane, honestly. That cliffhanger is fucking insane. So yeah. they use it to a lesser degree because <laughs> it's not movies, but it's still, you know, same concept of pulling from Harry Potter's part one, part two. Going back to the Harry Potter thing. I just recently grew on Star Wars, which is very out of character for me. From what? From what? So both my brothers are big Star Wars fans, so I asked Brian which order i should watch them in so i watched like the i think it's like the top isn't it five matt it's four Four. five and six so yeah new hope emperor strikes back and return of the jedi right and empire 
Strikes Back is my favorite of all time. I've watched it a hundred times since I've seen it. I love Darth Vader. He's so hot. Love it. Wait, 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 wait. Is that? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Who plays? No, like, who plays 100%. him? This is real. Who plays him? Like, I mean, I don't know. Daniel Not Jones. like. Okay, correction. I don't love Darth Vader. Think he's hot under the mask. Oh, you think you you're sexualizing the mask? I'm sexualizing how you like, like that he's sad how evil he is like i like every scene he was in i like blushed i was like oh my god he's <laughs> we're, we're not we're not talking about like daisy ridley adam driver star wars we're talking old school dr- uh star wars right i'm ill of thinking about you thinking i meant not wearing a mask because he is like 90 years old under the mask. you gotta keep that in the podcast <laughs> So you have to go to Hollywood Studios because that's what kicked it off for me. Like we went to Disney as adults, and You're Hollywood like, I'm fuck that Darth Vader. Yeah, like I'm gonna bang the shit out of that stormtrooper if he comes over here one more time. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, like so evil and like bad. And I went, what the fuck that stormtrooper? <laughs> like Matt knows, like they literally. They'll just like you'll be like, oh, just like, oh, I love Disney. And then they'll literally block off the street and be like, everybody get back with like lightsabers. And then like the stormtroopers come in with, with oh my god, I'm sweating thinking about this. I'm like, <laughs> the stormtroopers. This is my in. favorite thing about you. Do you know oh that? This, this. In and it's like dun 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 dun. Oh my god! So yeah, that's what made me start watching it. And now, if you were to tell me that someone was about to give that whole little speech that you just did right there, following saying I have never seen a Harry Potter movie, I never would have believed you. (laughs) No, but when you with me and Kenny, don't be alarmed when he shows up in a Darth Vader costume. (laughs) That's how I feel about a screen mask. Like show up in a screen (laughs) mask. And now I just really want you to watch Empire Strikes Back so you get it. Because I actually feel like you would get it, Kathleen. Well, why don't we do an episode on it? Okay, but only if you get it. Like, if you're like, this is, like, so dumb, then I'm like, okay, we're not talking Dude. about it. Okay, we would have, out of 100 of our episodes, we would have, like, 20 recorded if we did that logic with you. Where you're like, do you True. get it? <laughs> do, you like, do, you get it? <laughs> do you get it, Julie? <laughs> do you like it? Anyway, okay, okay. We're going to bring it back to the magicians. I have two two questions. Ready? For Jewel, I'm going to repeat some of the um, disciplines or emphasis, what they call it in this episode. What, what um, emphasis or discipline would you choose if you had magic? And, and of course, you can kind of do everything. Like, it's not like if you are a psychic, you can't do physical stuff, but whatever. So there's the physical kids, there's telekinesis, there's illusions, healing, nature, knowledge, psychic, but that's telekinesis. So, so yeah, there's a bunch of different ones. I think I would do healing. Aww, that's sweet. Yeah, I I would not want to be a, a mind reader because I would be very upset hearing anyone's thoughts like Luke about me <laughs> <laughs> so definitely put me down for no on that one but like healing like oh love that okay well Luke? I'll definitely say that healing could have been used they could have used a, a healer throughout this entire series so um but me personally I'm just physical kids because I'm going to the physical kids cottage I don't care what what happens oh. past that I'm partying with Elliot and Margo thousand percent Matt so I'm trying to remember what all the different studies do and i'll just say what i would like you know you always get that question like if you could have one magic power yeah. you could have like one superpower would it be 
My big thing is I want to be able to transform into different types of animals. So whichever study is going to get me closer to that. Yeah. Like I I want that, like Animorphs were my shit as a kid. I want to be an Animorph. Every Animorph book. I still do. (laughs) I still do. I want to be an Animorph so bad. I don't know if that's a discipline. Uh, Kathleen, I mean, it happens. Like they get turned into animals at points. That's what I mean. They turn into wolves and shit, but I don't think that's a specific discipline. I think Mm -hmm. they just all get it with magic. What animal would you want to turn into? Oh, no, I'm going Animorph style because it's the cheat code of wishing for a superpower because you can literally morph into however many animals you want. So if you want flight, morph into an eagle and you can go ahead and fly. If you want to be invisible, morph into like a cricket and like <laughs> hang out in a corner. Where yeah, no one I love can see. that. That's All good. the superpowers under one umbrella. But what would be your first pick? Oh, my first pick would be I want to fly. I'd be like an eagle or something. Yeah, Just go soaring out. 100%. I used to always say if I could have a superpower, it would be to fly. This is the Binge Town special. Since we're here, we might as well do it. We do a Banco Mary at the end of every episode, right? So in this in this um, scenario, lobotomy for Matt, me, and Luke. I'm talking first episode impressions. Throw away everything else you've ever known, okay? And we're doing the classics. We're doing Julia Wicker, Alice Quinn, and Katie Orloff-Diaz. And I just impressed myself that I, I was panicking mid that I wasn't going to know Katie's last name, and then I pulled it out of nowhere. Wait, who is it again? So we've got Julia, Alice, and Katie. So Katie's the, the good banging one. Alice is the blonde. Julia, you know Julia is. I could start. And this is contrary to everything I ever stand for in future seasons. So this is only with what you just said, Kathleen, contained in the first episode. I'm actually going to kill uh, Alice because she was yeah. a hardcore bitch and she's not likable in any way yet. And she was mean to my boy Quentin. So I'm killing her. I'm going to marry Julia because she's pretty perfect. She's a little nerdy. She's friends with Quentin. And she is, as you could tell, super ambitious and and ready to just take on magic. So she gets the marry, and then Katie gets the bang because how the hell are you going to pass up on the floating sex scene? That's just easy. Hell yeah. 100%. I think I have the same exact answer, except for I feel like you get the vibe from Alice that, like, she's slightly misunderstood, and you know she's going to redeem herself. Okay. Okay. I think that that if if I switched it up, I would kill Katie, right? That's her name? Katie? Sure. Fuck Julia and marry Alice. That's a great answer. We'll accept. That's my future yeah, answer. Good. Once you get more knowledge yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. I would kill Julia. Oh, okay. Julia's actually always been one of my least favorite characters anyway, but what? in this episode... Oh, that is you know, ballsy. Kill Julia. Yeah, but, but this episode, I don't know. She's turning evil. Mm-mm, no, thank you. You love a bad girl. Uh, <laughs> I love I would people. bang Katie and marry Alice. Wow. I like Dorothy. I'm into people. it. I love that you guys both married Alice. Alice is so your type, 100%. So, a fun thing that we did, we decided that Katie's actually the one doing the sex magic during that bang. It's still up for interpretation. Is it Penny? Is it Katie? Who's to say? We think it's Katie, mostly because she's she's got like freaky uh, underground magic in her back pocket at all times. Like I love. There's a bit where they need to do uh, battle magic, and she's like meditate every day for ten hours each, like for whatever to be able to do um, battle magic every day. I'm like, this bitch is legit. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to bang. It's so hard to throw away all of my knowledge. In my <laughs> but I- I'm going to say what Luke said, and I'm going to marry Julia. Yeah, I'm going to marry Julia. I'm going to bang Katie. And I'm going to kill Alice. I was Katie was always being banged. I was just ready to flop the two of those, Julia and Alice. Because if you marry Katie, you get the floating sex all the time. Right. Um, but you don't get Julia then. You so. don't get Julia. <laughs> 
And you gotta get like motion sickness at some point. Do we? Do we? Do we want to also do this with the three men? Oh, we might as well if we're here. We got the time. Oh, yeah, I got a gas list up so, again. We're doing Quentin, Penny, and Elliot. Yeah, oh, I think that's fair. okay. Okay. Go ahead, Luke. Start us off. Okay, so based on the first episode, I'm actually going to marry Elliot. Uh, normally, once you get more exposure to Quentin, he's definitely the answer. But yeah. Elliot's the fun, bubbly one. He he obviously knows his shit. He's good at magic. He's a little bit older. He's just incredibly fun, and he gives you an in to being best friends with Margot. So that's an easy marry. Quentin is <laughs> a little too troubled and issued in the beginning, and you don't really understand him yet. So. It's kind of hard to choose to marry into that because he's got he's a little chaotic and his brain's all over the place. So I'm actually gonna kill Quentin. How dare you? Penny would be fun. He, I mean, he I don't know he's a traveler yet, but he's a psychic, <laughs> so you can you can do whatever you want. You know, I feel like that'll be a great time at Breakville. So I'll bang Penny and kill Quentin. I would marry Elliot, bang Quentin, kill Penny. Why? Just because I said so. This one's actually really tough for me as I'm thinking about it because I'm thinking about it from this perspective. And and at the end of the day, I'm killing Penny. Pe- that's like a sure. consistent thing. So Penny's getting killed. Now, where I'm torn is is with the Quentin Elliot thing because I'm thinking about it this way. In one sense, I relate very much to Quentin, so much so that to marry Quentin, I feel like would almost become a boring marriage. Marrying yourself. But then the, yeah, <laughs> but then like the flip side is like, I think Elliot's, too much of a partier for me. Like, I don't think I could keep up. Like, that's like a marriage that's going to definitely end in divorce. <laughs> so, like, I'm really torn between where I land with the two of those, especially if I'm basing it off of not knowing how they grow in the future. But, uh, uh Mary, Mary Quentin Bang Elliot, mm. I guess. Final answer. Mm. I am going to... God, I don't want to say the same, but I'm gonna do the same as Luke. I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry <laughs> Elliot. I'm gonna bang Penny, and then I'm gonna, get, cause like honestly, Penny's a dick, but he rides for Katie. Like especially even in that first episode, I love when she's like, "I'm obviously coming with you," and he's just like, "Okay." Like he he likes her right from the start. I he's got he's the style loyal. too. He's got the jacket and the boots. Yeah, he's killing. You it. always see that chest. I love it. He's hot. <laughs> we love Penny. We stand. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna bang Penny and then I'm gonna kill Quentin for the same reasons Luke did. But let me just say another small moment that I love: the entrance of Margot. So the first time we meet Margot is Elliot. Like Penny and Quentin had just met, and the book's missing. The sixth book is missing, but. Margot and and Elliot pop in and she's like that's him and he's like she's like it's, he's not that cute and you know that Elliot was like I met this cute little like freshman boy or first year boy or whatever and I'm like I die my chest <laughs> El- the actor what? that plays Elliot is hot oh my god yeah there's literally like, a scene in the last episode we covered where oh, Julia looks at him. Julia looks at Elliot and is like you attract everybody like you're appealing to everybody or bound to attract some like bad ones or whatever but he is yeah. he's just so like he's so lovable but so the, he actually went his actor went to school to be an actor in like this prominent acting school I don't know where it was but so he Makes was born sense. to play this yeah part he delivers he's every phenomenal. line so well mm-hmm. so Luke and Kathleen how about you tell us about Bingetown before we end the episode good Luke hit us with a little Bingetown gospel yeah so we've been referencing it all episode but Bingetown TV Kathleen's other podcast we run it with five other of our friends good friends the boys and the premise is we're just super TV nerds, as you can tell by the name, and we just deep dive 
all of our favorite kind of shows. We mostly focus on sci-fi and fantasy, but we're not afraid to hit super dramatic and realistic crime, anything. Basically, your entire umbrella of good TV, we cover it. But yeah, so you know, give us a listen. We're currently covering season five of The Magicians, which this was perfect timing because that just dropped about a month ago. So it's a perfect time to just binge watch front to back season one to five. And I promise you, you'll be as passionate about it eventually as me and Kathleen. And you can listen to that on all pod stream, pod streaming, podcast streaming, Spotify, Apple Music, Apple not music, but you know what I mean? iPhones. Geekscape.net. All, all of them. Everywhere. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's it. Luke, thanks for coming. Got any final things on The Magicians? Uh, it's the best show ever. If you couldn't tell, the passion was oozing from me. And Julie's pregnant. Woo! Woo! listening to the Geekscape Network.